The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Beyond the Fairway Podcast, Will, it is time. It's episode uno, episode one. We're going live and direct. Ray Allen coming in here. Will, what a ride that you and I are about to go on. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to think, man, going back to the the very first, uh, or one of the Advocate Pro Tour golf events that we did, uh, was it 10 years ago, 11 years ago, maybe? 2011, man. 2011, man, when I met you in that tee box. And, uh, and and I, I never forget, like, you know, you came to the tee box and you were like, I don't know you, but I'm playing with, we had a mutual friend, uh, Kevin Lyles, shout out to Kevin Lyles. Yeah, and he, and, and he, uh, and you came to the tee box, man. He was like, I'm playing with you guys. I'm like, sure. Come That's on. And, and that was, that, that was a round that evidently changed my life, obviously. <laughs> hey, it changed mine too. I know I didn't realize I'd have a roommate for the remainder of that trip, but, uh, you know, it's all good. I, I was happy to, uh, to have you on the ride my first time in LA, but Will, I mean, what we got going on right now in this episode, in this journey is I'm excited, man. I'm almost more excited about the episode than us making it through the Sea of Crips. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the crypt, yeah, that was quite experience either. I don't know if the if if everybody under you know knew the know the exact uh, situation, how that happened, how that came came about. But uh, just a real quick, so you and I, I just for the, this is for the 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 people who are listening. You and I had we were on we were at a we were at the parking lot of Chester Washington, and uh, we saw a a blue a sea a sea of crypts. At the uh, multi-purpose center, it, you know, black people, you know, in in, in in golf courses in the hood, the the clubhouse is a it's a clubhouse and it's a multi-purpose, it's a multi-purpose center. Yeah, it's at this time, center. it was a it was a homegoing celebration, and uh, I just never forget, man. You know, when we we were we weren't scared, but we scared a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I ain't gonna lie, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't a comfortable moment driving through a sea of crips when you in L.A. and you in South Central. <laughs> At the golf course, man, and we get hey, we definitely got to unpack that for a lot of our guests. But today ain't about no Crips. I don't think this guy's ever even warm blue. Ray Allen coming on here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I want to mix it up a little bit. I don't think a lot of people know how intellectual Ray is, so I want to yeah. get his take on on not only his preparation in golf and getting ready for the Diamond Resorts. I want to talk about the social climate and all the things that are going on in the world and figure out how to kind of see that through a golf lens and how can golf massage and or bring us to the table to communicate about these varying topics in our society. I, I'm I, I, Just to second that, man, I, I can't wait either. I, Ray and I have had ample amount of conversations on the range, the driving range of, of 
of uh, social issues and that surrounds golf and sound America just in general. And, you know, over the years, I, I've, I've listened to Ray, you know, I, I've, you know, I really take in, I took in a lot of, a lot of things that he said over, over the years. And um, I'm excited to, to give, you know, the, you know, the listeners a, another point of view that they may not know that Ray possess. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I'm, I, I know he's going to get deep into it. I, I don't know exactly what he's going to say. But uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be well informed for sure. Hey, like we said in episode zero, I don't know if you're ready. I don't know if people are ready for what we're about to bring. But hey, let's go beyond the fairway right now with my man, two-time NBA champion Ray Allen. Beyond the Fairway podcast, Doug Smith alongside of my man Will Lowry, and what a treat we have for you today. We got NBA legend, Hall of Famer, two-time NBA champion. Where the rings at, Mr. Ray Allen? What's going on, my friend? Uh, what's happening? Rings are stowed away. Actually, they're just out in the open. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, well, Ray, hold on. Let me. I know everybody all excited that you're here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I got some issues. Mm-hmm. Doug, I'm talking to Doug. I'm not really talking to you right now, Ray. Actually. Okay. We got the 10 time All Star, mm-hmm. two time NBA champ, the guy who has mastered the three point shot. 2000 gold medal or 2000 Olympic gold medalist taking his talent to the big screen. He's, he's known for, you know, uh, another alias. We, we'll get in that later. Obviously everything he touches on, he's excels in. And I can't figure out why this guy can't win the damn dime resort <laughs> or the American century. Great swing. Great Ray, ball I'm gonna striker. Let you cut, I'm gonna let you cut in here, Way, because Ray, I know you Don't already. Cut me off. High, I'm not done. High. I'm not done, Doug. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not done. For this guy to not have to be hosting a trophy is baffling to me. It's baffling. So now I want to know. I don't know, Ray, if you need to get your couch, lay down, look at the roof. We about to have brain surgery. Why haven't you won the Diamond Resort or American Century as of yet? I leave it to you. Uh. Just like not a good enough like answer, Ray. Else. Not a good enough answer, Ray. Just like anything else, golf is not that 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 simple. Um, I I know there was a year where I came close, and you I think you it, th- there's a process to it uh, to understand how to win. Just like anything else, uh, when you're playing basketball, you see teams that can't win because they they practice in those losing ways, those losing habits. So. There's three keys that I always have, uh, you know, for my kids when we're playing basketball. At, in the fourth quarter, in order to win games, you have to rebound, make free throws, and take care of the ball. And so that's kind of every sport has its its mantras that that allow you to win. And, you know, in the same token, why certain guys lose. And for me, I haven't committed to the process yet. As much as I play golf, committing to playing tournament golf, it's a different animal. And so it's great, and I love being in it, but I only do it twice a year. And uh, it's difficult for me right now because there's so many other things kind of up in the air. So I I look forward to those days when when I can play more events, play amateur events, and, you know, go into this tournament where, you know, I'm I'm operating on, on all cylinders. So... I feel the same way that you feel. I feel like I'm close and I can get there, but there's gotta be, 
this this professional approach because I know how I play basketball. Uh, so yeah. <clears throat> into golf, I have to apply those same those same attitudes and and, and that that mentality. The, the 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 couple of times that I was in the top five or top ten, either in Tahoe or Diamond Resorts, it was stressful. It was it mm. was you know it was like draining because yeah. you're paying attention to every shot you're throwing grass up in there you're doing every little small protocol right. to hit every shot and you know you golf gives you a, such an arrogance when you become a better golfer you 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 gain this arrogance where you think i'm just gonna go up and hit it right over here and i'm gonna put it and then you don't take a practice swing and then before you know the ball goes somewhere that you didn't right. want to go and, and it requires you to attend to it uh, the whole time you play it, before you play it, and after you play it. So when you finish 18, you go right to the range if you want to be good the next day. So that type of attention to detail is is uh, it's I think it's more consuming than basketball. So I'm still mm. learning that process. But hold on, Ray, I gotta ask you because I've seen you play. We've had a chance to play in some groups together back in the day. You're not you're not you're used to playing for some change on the line. So I feel like from my vantage point, playing a money game, playing a skins game always got me ready to go. You do that, Ray, a couple times a week. So what else do you have to do to put yourself in those tournament-like positions to get ready to win one of these events that Will's mentioning? The super most important thing, uh, I believe, as much as golf is an individual sport, you have to understand where the team aspect lays. So uh, one of the most uh, important aspects of winning tournaments is, you know, your swing coach and your caddy. And then, you know, figuring out, understanding when your tea time is, when you're going to eat, when you're going to sleep, how you're going to work out. Like all those things are incorporated into how you play a tournament. When I go out to play in a, in a tea time where I'm just throwing a group together, playing with a bunch of guys, you just, you don't think about anything else. You're laughing and joking all the time, eat when you want to eat. And you just, there's a, there's a sense of, uh, you, you kind of destruct the, uh, redistribute the pressure. So hmm. it's not out there, but it's on that putt because that putt is worth the, the whole front nine, hmm. but you're laughing, you're having a good time. You're listening to music and you, you kind of let your mind drift. But when you go into a tournament, you have to be on plane. You have to think about your alignment. You have to think about every small little thing, you know, yardages you want to hit at, have a plan on each hole. And you have to rely on the caddy. You have to stay connected on what you hit on the first part three as opposed to what part three is going the same direction to win and all these things going into play. And they make a difference. You know, you, when you see guys yeah. playing in tournaments, what they do is what you see you see the the. I always laugh because these guys hit the ball on the green, and then you watch his body language, and and then the TV goes to his uh, to his ball, and the ball lands about twenty five feet, but pin high. Mm -hmm. Like, what is he pissed off about? Right. Uh, because from the tee box, it looks so far away, and he probably you know didn't commit to the swing. He still made the green, and that's the mistake or the miss that those guys have. But the ones that are the ones that we would know about, the ones that we whose swings we admire and uh, who we want to be like, those guys hit it within 10 to 12 feet every time. And so they're dialed in and th there's that difference because I know the difference in basketball yeah. when you're dialed right. in, you know, when I go into a court and I go to work out before a game, I can look on the other side and see what kids don't understand preparation, how to dial in and you kind of see the same thing in golf 
when you're playing the ones that are dialed in the ones that are not. Uh, and so getting to that level, you know, is super important because I, I pride myself on getting to the range, you know, pulling up about an hour and a half before my tee time. So I'm on the range an hour before and I can really swing. But even, you know, if I'm being honest, that's not enough time. Because I could spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the sand trap and hitting uh, short, uh, hitting pitch shots and, and working on my short game. And then, you know, the the, the part that I always kind of lose sight of is, you know, as of now is my driver, mm-hmm. uh, given enough time to it. Because I hit a couple straight, but you need to really work that, right. work, you know, right. as much as you can. And you sit there, you know, the, the philosophy, the idea is to, not to do it till you get it right. Do it till you can't get it wrong. Get it wrong, exactly. You know? So See, that's how that's how I know so, we different, Will. Because um, when I'm playing for them in those skins games, I'm nervous. It feel like a tournament. I I might be playing outside of my tax bracket. And that's, <laughs> that's why I get be, I get those that's, nerves. That's because your pockets are upside down. But you got to so, you got to have that. You got to have that. That's the thing. You, you know, and it's fascinating for me because you're right, Doug. You know, our levels of 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 pressure perceived are different because of the levels of pressure that I've been on. So it takes a lot more to, to really, you know, create some anxiety in, in my heart That's and fair. brain. And so, you know, I like to, you know, put everything on the line, like, you know, three putts, missing the green, Absolutely. missing the fairways. And because I, I need that, that focus for everything. And if I'm playing bad, if I'm missing fairways and I lose, and what it does is it forces me to dial in even more. And some people, when you know, when you play certain games, some people don't want it because they don't want to have to dial in. They just want to go out there and, and, and swing freely. And you know, you, you ask your friends, somebody comes up to you, one of your buddies said, Man, I shot a 70 yesterday. The first question that we always ask, uh, my buddies and I, who do you play with? <laughs> because if you play with some guys that didn't put uh, impose any pressure on you, didn't hit good shots, then you and you have a tendency to swing a little freer because whether people realize it or not, golf is is superbly connected. We, you know, if if Doug, if you stand to the tee box and you hit the ball to the left and it's out of bounds, and then Will, you step up next, where do you think your ball's gonna go? Typically same same, same spot. Always opposite. Oh, because I'm trying to avoid it. Yes. Yes. Because well, human nature, human nature kicks in. And the first thing we we do, we watch Doug's reaction. We we saw, oh, I don't want to go over there. And then, the, the you know, as you stand over, and this is where your mind has to overcome that, that weakness of being consumed by what Doug just did. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell yourself, you know, turn and that's why you go through your routines that's why you practice routine you know that doesn't even matter what he does but a lot of us we we internalize what just happened and we end up not getting our hands through because we say shit i don't want to be over there where he is right you know don't get your hands through and that's why i always watch that and it's fascinating to see the ones that are so strong-minded that end up hitting the ball straight down the fairway because they didn't let that shot bother them whatsoever so, so, and I, I firmly agree, you know, you know, when we talk about the levels of the mini tour, we're playing for checks and you guys on PJ tour are playing for trophies, but I want to, I want to kind of, you know, rewind a little bit and every, every guest that comes on here, especially this is a golf show and we're trying to grow the game and I want this to be memorable. Can you tell me or talk me through the shot that brought you back to the game? 
at the at, at, at the at a beginner level when you first stepped up on the golf course driving range wherever it was what was the shot that brought you back uh i'll tell you the shot that i probably remember the most uh i was in mexico and i was standing over i don't know what course i was playing but it was in, i was in the desert and i was standing over this shot i was about 100 yards in there was nothing, you know, mm -hmm. pretty, you know, forgivable fairway. So I couldn't really hit in the desert. Uh, it was just a matter of how close I was going to get it to the pin. Right. But as I stood over that shot. I said to myself, I actually don't know where this ball is going to go. What year was this, right? What, what year was uh, this? This was, this was 90, maybe 98. Okay. 98, okay. 99, somewhere around so just get into the league yeah so i was just sitting there thinking i don't know where this ball's gonna go and so it in that moment i had a flash of you know brilliance where it said wow this is actually basketball this is everything i do if i don't practice it i don't know where it's gonna go so it 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 kind of pushed the thought into my mind i was like i actually do the same thing in basketball like i'll i'll go through you know, these moves that I don't practice and expect a positive result. And so from that day forward, that shot that I sat over, I said, this is the shot I need to practice all the time. This, And, and then from that day forward, every time I went to the driving range, you know, I worked on every club, every other two clubs to make sure that I knew what that club was going to do. And I knew the distance I was going to get and everything. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's what the guys on tour do all the time. But as an amateur player, it, it just – dawned on me to, at that moment to rehearse you know it's not you when you talk about greatness in in, in in any athlete it's not you know you see a guy hit a shot at the end of the game or throw a touchdown or catch a touchdown and you sit there thinking the guy's so happy and he's celebrating he's done that a million times a million times right a million times <laughs> right. like, this ain't new nothing new yeah it's nothing new and it's so fascinating to me like you know you you don't realize how hard it is to do it when you got somebody yeah. trying to keep you from doing it. But those of us who have done it before, that's why you see them. You like, I've been here before. I know how to behave. I know how to act. And so Absolutely. most of, most of that preparation is all about uh, your, your desires not to fail. Mm. Seen enough. People I, I like that. I like that. I like right. That. Your desire not to fail. Yeah. My you, college, my college coach used to say something similar. He says, it's not about making birdie. It's about not making bogey. Yeah, so if you think about the the lens through which we see sports, you're watching sports every single day. They come on every single day, and mm -hmm. we get both the good and the bad. So when, when a guy's playing terribly, they show that, oh, he was two for 19, and, and you know, oh, I don't want to be him. Or guys <laughs> got – 78 and he missed a cut and you're like oh i don't want to be him so you right. both the the 59s and the the, the 79s you know on tour right. and so what that does is it it it, it awakens your consciousness and it right. teaches you what you don't want you know in connection to what you want you see both sides of the spectrum so when you see that the only way to achieve that 59 is to go put the work in because mm -hmm. if you don't put the work in for that 59 and that 79 is going to be sitting there waiting on you and even worse in golf. 
Right. So, right. So, Ray, I, I want to get into something with you real quick because uh, it's one of those things that I've always wanted to ask you. And I want to start with the, the expression that was made um, fairly recently in the last couple of years, seasons, about shut up and dribble. Okay, about how athletes should stay out of, of certain topics and certain political spaces. I want to ask you about platform utilization because I follow you on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I feel like I like every other post. You're a guy that's not afraid to stand up for social injustices or the little guy out there. Tell me about uh, how is it because I think people see what you say um, and then you get, you know, people act a certain way about that statement. But internally, what is your position right now with the state of the world? Well, uh, I mean, there's so much in that that question. Um, you know, I think first people who don't like what I say don't like it because what I'm saying is against their their truth or their narrative. And the thing that I always try to remind people of is we come from different backgrounds. We, we share different experiences and oftentimes I'm attacked because, you know, I could, I could put something on social media that comes straight from the news, comes straight from someone's mouth. And then somebody on my feed will say it's fake news or mm. you need to do your research. And, you know, you can't believe everything that you hear. And, I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to believe the person that just said it. Right. In the right. beginning, you know, when, when Trump took office uh, four years ago, we had this conversation. We were all having these conversations about uh, Twitter. You know, his, his uh, press secretaries kept saying, um, no, don't, that's just Twitter. You shouldn't, you know, believe wholeheartedly in Twitter. And, and so the media was like, well, that's the president's account. Should we not believe him? He was like, well, you know, and so we were trying to figure out what is it that we're supposed to believe? Are we supposed to listen to the Twitter account? Because he makes so many mistakes on there, misspellings, you know, rants at, at, at night. And so how are we, what are we supposed to believe? And he's bullying people on Twitter. You know, he's misogynistic on Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. He's, uh, I mean, the list goes on. And so the, the, the thing that people they want me to only entertain them, but they don't want me, if they can cut my mm. mouth, they would. Mm. They don't want to hear that we have a voice. They don't want us to be a part of their everyday life. They just want us to be in this box and yeah. be an entertainer for them mm. because we're not supposed to be anything more than just, you know, basketball players. That's it. You know, you That's guys over there and be in that just, corner. Just hoop, just hoop yeah. and yeah, give me entertainment and shut up. Yeah, right. when I sit around public, sign my autograph and take a picture with me and then right. don't say anything and keep it moving. Make so, me feel good about myself. Make me feel that I'm better than you and that, that I own you. And then yeah, keep moving. And, you know, that's it's so unfortunate because you, the, the, the things that that have powered me have have, you know, the, it's this idea that as an athlete, you can't be better at other things. You can't be good at yeah. more than one thing. And and you know, basketball is just a part of who I am. You know, I've always tried to do more and be more because there's more out in the world. And, you know, I was taught at a young age, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. And, and, and people just, it's an indictment on someone else because they can't play basketball. And for example, if I could play golf, well, wait a minute, I'm good at golf. You're not supposed right. to be able to beat me at golf too. Right. 
You know, what's going on here? It's just not fair. Like, how can you be good at that? And then you come over here and be good at this. I was like, because I understand how to break it down and then build it back together again. And that's just all mentality. Like, you don't, nobody's owed anything or entitled to anything. You have to work for it. Well, you you just, you just mentioned Trump. Uh, I'd love to know your point of view, your POV regarding uh, the PGA, you know, removing themselves from, uh, for this next major in 2022. What's your take on that? Anybody who um, is on the right side of history should disconnect themselves uh, from this individual. Uh, What he did last week in inciting a riot, uh, a mob uh, to attack the Capitol, uh, where we work for democracy, where democracy is uh, harder work for for every person in in this country, what he did how he told his mob, like you could break down his words and understand, you know, the things that they were saying on video that we all seen. Like mm-hmm. you, can, you can look at that and say, you know, this, these are all Trump's words. These are the things that 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 he stirred up. And so, when you think about, you know, what he said and what he's done over these last four years, now historically, we're going to look back. There's going to be, you know, this canned uh, media that people will see. And how uh, the optics of his presidency, how it shaped the narrative in this mm-hmm. country, how it how it created a an impact on this country, and it and it, and it bred even greater uh, pockets of white supremacy and Nazism uh, in this country. So, so here's my question to both you guys, and Doug, I want you to chime in on this too. So, can is the PGA of America not to blame for dealing with this stuff? You know, what I mean by that is we know who Trump was. We knew his position. Now the fact that um, uh, he, 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 he pushed up the, the, the motive of, of, of rioting the Capitol building. Now we decide, now the PGA decided to separate themselves from him. You know, I mean, are they not some of the blame to this? Like I, I, I question their movement. Why all of a sudden, they're going to separate themselves from Trump. You know, when you talk about scheduling, Will, and you know this, and Ray, you too, your schedules are done so far in advance. These PGA Tour schedules and, and but he he but hold on hold on I, hold on. I get it. You're talking he's, about he's, 10, he's been, 12 years. No, I, it's not of 10, 12 scheduling. Years. It's not. I don't no, I'm saying of, of planning out where the championships are going to be. Yeah, it's because it's been a while. You know, they've got boots on the ground there at Trump Bedminster that we're getting ready. Now, I agree with you and Ray. I think the PGA made a great move, uh, and I support them. But what happens now is we've they've got to scramble and find a place to host a championship. So am I with them? Absolutely. But I'm, I feel sorry for the people within the organization now that have to scramble and try to find a new venue and get it set up and get it ready to go no, in 2022. I, listen, no. what we no matter planning is planning, no matter what you do, like there would there weren't nobody built anything on that course. Yet. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, that course is just it's just a matter of you just going to somebody else and saying, hey, we we're going to use your course because we love to to switch. Right. Venues. Like we we it's almost as simple as you take a business and the business, you know, they, they do their 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 yearly uh, uh, assessments on uh, what they their projections on what they think they're going to make. If they make a million dollars in the first quarter and they projected they were going to make $2 million, that $1 million, they're going to claim a loss. 
based on what it was that they thought uh, the market was gonna it was gonna bear. And so, you know, they may take a loss and say, you know, hey, I, I we took a loss and we're gonna, you know, get tax breaks, whatever. You know, that's typically how you know America's worked for forever. But when you think about business, like there's an entitlement that people think things are supposed to be the way they've always been and they aren't willing to adjust or adapt. Like if if you make money, you don't make money, you aren't guaranteed to make money. And that's what's happened over the course of this, this coronavirus is people have had to really eat crow and say, let me, you know, I, I had to shut my business down. I had to you know, not work for this amount of time, like it, low employees. It was, yeah, it was, it's been a devastation to his economy. But again, you know, Trump denied its existence and said it was going to go away. So people didn't prepare long-term. So when, when you're looking at decisions that the, the, the tour had to make, it just, you, you just can't align with someone who is so, uh, he, he, he spews so much vitriol, you know, throughout his presidency and to align yourself with him and and what we've seen, like people are going to sit here and try to argue against it and, you know, let the days go by and hope that the, the smoke clears. But what they they committed sedition and treason, you know, over this past week. Mm. And he was the ring leader of it. So so I move into a little lighter note and we kind of run short on time. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, in the conversation preparation, and when it comes to this part of, of preparation, the world always wants to know when it comes to you and golf, uh, what shoes, man, what's the shoes that's going to be, uh, be worn to the diamond resort, man. You got anything new? Gentry Humphrey sent anything new in the mail recently? Uh, I just, I just, I'm going to throw some, uh, some fives at you this time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but he okay. ain't going to tell you what the color palette looked like. I, I'm, yeah. I want all the news. Yeah, I got a couple different. Uh, I got a couple different color patterns, but it's right. you know I think it's everything you've seen before. It's nothing that uh, normally I would have my guy Nomad Customs you know do some uh, mock-ups, but mm-hmm. I got a couple different uh, uh, colorways of uh, five. So I'm a I'm a rock those this week uh, coming up. Hey Ray, can we get Jesus Shuttlesworth and Denzel to do a he got game about golf like as a continuation of a story? Can we get that shot? Can we talk to somebody, Will? Like that's what I want to see. I want to see where Jesus took his golf game after basketball. Well, first we got to get some uh, some some golfers from the hood to to actually real life succeed on tour. When you think about Ooh. it, okay, uh, because that you know you're talking about realism here. Um, there's so many great stories uh, that have come out of the black community. And the, and the thing that I, I'll impress upon both of you and, and any young black person is watching is you have to write a book about your life because where you mm-hmm. come from, the things that you've experienced, uh, overcome to be where you are. If you don't talk about yourself, then who will? Uh, the people that end up talking about you are always going to get the events of your life messed up. Uh, they're going to tell lies. They're going to tell it how they saw it. And so you have to write a book about your life for two reasons. One, because you get to hand it down to, to your, uh, your great, great grandkids, kids that don't, won't ever know you. And they get to understand the legacy of, you know, their forefathers. Like think about who we know in, you know, up our family tree. We don't have a history because our history was, yeah. 
suppressed. It was eradicated. It eradicated. Was, That's so the word I was going to use. Know, yeah, we don't get to know who we come from. So we have to do all these DNA tests, but we don't literally get to know our ancestors. We just know that, that they were there. So you got to you gotta be able to pass that on to your future generations. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and, my ahead, sorry, one, and my second one is you, you have to be able to, when we're talking about all the movies that don't exist, you know, because, you know, you mentioned earlier, I'm on the Holocaust board. There's so many movies about the Holocaust because people have written books, they've told their stories and they've been translating the screenplays, plays have been done about them. But when it comes to our story, we don't tell enough or talk enough about who we are, and write it down, you know, because we weren't allowed to read. So it cut off the whole couple of generations from, you know, us being able to pass along knowledge and information. So you have to do that for your family. You have to do that for future black people. So we'll see more content on TV in the next couple of years where they're black stories, which ultimately end up just being human stories. Mm-hmm. So, human stories. That's, that's so, so you kind of touched on a little topic of, 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 of blacks in golf. Um, so given the fact that um, when it comes to one's career, basketball career from from womb to tomb from the the junior league in, in basketball all the way to au to college to to once the sun sets on his career after he retires um can you can you give your point of view since you know you know the plight of the basketball player can you provide your point of view as to where blacks or maybe minorities have dropped the ball in the game of golf or where have the the system has maybe dropped the ball for uh you know, introducing these kids from the hood into the golf course and the golf community? Well, <clears throat> that's the fascinating point uh, about golf when you think about uh, the Tiger effect. Uh, Tiger and I are the same age. Uh, we we come into professional sports uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And as I look back on the growth of basketball, you know, all the people that that I've had an impact on, not only just in basketball, you're talking about across the sports, you know, now, like I, I did uh, a few Zoom calls with a d- couple different football teams this year. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating talking to uh, the different NFL teams because a lot of these these guys that you're talking to, you know, they were kids watching me play. Um, I've spoken to University of Miami, fo- Miami football team. Uh, and so I'm always trying to figure out a way to connect with younger people. And that that connectivity is what grows the game and what allows people to to take some information from you and then grow and learn and say, okay, if I see you and I understand how tall you are and then I get a little pointer here and there from you, that's all I need. And and that's the disappointing thing with with golf, uh, with Tiger is there's only uh, I would say two black golfers on tour now other than Tiger, you know, in the last when you think about the last. 25 years, <laughs> yeah. you know, three technically, but yeah, but that's the thing. There's, you know, I know you got Cameron champ and you got Harold Varner, Joe Bramlett and then Joe, who Joseph Bramlett, okay. the, ba- the, the major one. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but you're talking about more, you know, more uh, black and Brown people that you see on tour. Uh, and, and, and I think, you know, Tiger does a great job with his foundation and this is not an indictment on him as much as just the tour in general, just making sure that they, they have access. And I think everything we went through with, uh, 
uh, over this last couple of months with George Floyd and uh, Breonna Taylor being uh, uh, unnecessarily killed uh, and James Blake being shot, the, the list goes on. You know, people, you know, white people in this country understand that there is a movement that they need to, to affect. They need to help and figure out a way to create you know, avenues for black people to have equality, because now you start to see it, you start to understand. Mm. And mm. when you look at, if you just look at it, nobody says anything because it's like golf, you know, there's a lot of black people that play golf. There's a, a lot, lot of young people that, enjoy the game, but there's, there, we, there's no success to the next level because of opportunity. When you're talking about even Will and Doug, you guys both tried to, you know, get on tour. And, and the thing that separates you from getting there is opportunity and, and finances, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, it doesn't mean that you're, you're, if you, if you get put in the same situations that some of the best golfers that we see now, like, cause I've played with a lot of them and I've played with you guys. So when you think about um, Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler, uh, no different size wise, you know, they hit the ball, they've gotten the best, tutelage from the coaches you know you guys have that same access your names are well known and they're you're getting the same attention just like they are yeah. uh, people don't want to believe it. and i'll give you a good example so, so how you understand this like when you look at hollywood so for a black person in hollywood to get a role in hollywood you know you know traditionally over the years he has to be a they call it a magical black actor mm -hmm. And you look at Will Smith, he's a prime example because every role he gets, you know, he's a superhero. He's a killing zombies. He's saving the world. Mm -hmm. He's a black man that walks out of the woods that could help he's somebody with a golf swing. Super brother. Yeah. So, it's called range. It's called yeah. range. <laughs> but, but you got to remember they're casting him that way because most people who are going to pay to see these movies can't see him as a normal black person that holds down a number one job. No, nobody would believe that. But then you could take the average white woman and you could put her in any role in any film and she's basically fit to play that role. That's why colorblind casting has to exist so people could start to see in the country that, you know, we move as black and brown and white. It doesn't matter what's what because there's success, you know, that ranges the spectrums. And so once people start to see that, they don't look at black people as, oh, that's odd that he's there. Like, you know, I, I never see a black person uh, be that su successful. And, and the fascinating part is the Cosby show was uh, a breakthrough back then. Right. A lawyer and a doctor black living in the same right. house. Oh, that's unreal. Right. That, can't that. that would yeah, never right. be. But that was like to jump off to then open up many doors for other people. But you still, if you go through Hollywood, you see so many black people that aren't working because they can't get the average everyday role that they're like, Oh, nobody would believe you as a black person fitting that role. And then now in the golf community, it's like, same thing. Like, Oh, you're playing golf. Like, you know, like, how did you get to, they ask you questions. Like, how did you yeah. get to play golf? You got to prove your worth to, to people. Right. It's, yeah, how to, did you, to, it's how did you get here with why? Right. Like, yeah. Why and you gotta, you gotta, now you got to win before you step in Absolutely. and order to be recognized. And some of these other guys don't have to win. You know, you could just play good golf and, you know, you could look across the spectrum and see people who have never won, but then still exist and still manage. And, you know, it's a lot more difficult for us. And that's why you, you guys, what you can never give up. You have to work doubly as hard.
Mm-hmm. You have to prove to them that, hey, I belong. And that's what we've always had to uh, improve, uh, approve, you know, in ourselves and tell the people. And, and I said this and I continue to say this is an imposter syndrome where when you walk into a country club, you feel like you don't belong. Mm-hmm. And kind of step lightly, you know, you need to walk around. Yeah. Let me Thank go you. here because I don't want to be in the way. And and, you know, people look at you. So you you kind of you become more timid as, as strong and as powerful as your personality may be. You just always want to make sure that you always. don't do anything to either destroy the members or his relationship that he has. Yeah. With the courts, or you want to get invited back. And that's a that's a miserable way to live. Like, I don't live that way in my own house. So why when I step out into the world, why do I have to? To, right. to, to act or behave different because somebody else is not comfortable with me being, you know, authentically who I am. Right. We appreciate you taking this time to go beyond the fairway with us this morning. I think I don't know. Like I told people uh, when we did golf today, I don't think they're ready for the conversation that this podcast is going to bring. But I tell you what, you set the table for us, my brother, and we really appreciate your time. We know you got to get to the range. Do your thing at the Diamond Resorts. We want to see you hoist that trophy. And, uh, man, let's hold it down. Let's get some pennies on the line and play a little G sometime uh, post-COVID. Awesome. Let's do it. Man. See, that was pretty good. That was pretty solid. Um, You know, one thing he said, Doug, I got to, I got to, I kind of want to expound upon. I wish we could have really got more, more in depth to it, but he, he hit some key points. It's something that I, I've really been, uh, been admiring. Uh, I've been saying, been trying to be very vocal about it. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the documenting your, your journey. You know, when he, when he said, when he spoke on, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, uh, you know, uh, telling our own story. And I, I never really thought about it like that, you know. You know, it, it resonates, it, doesn't it? So, it's like it really resonates, like to 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 tell your story. Absolutely, because think about it, you know, and not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but the authenticity is sometimes is lacking because some of the stories that are about us are not written from our pad and pen, you know. Agreed. And yeah. I just, and I just think that uh, that it's was that was tape. pretty. It's always somebody's it, version of what they it, think they it, saw or think they right. heard. Loose, loosely based. Is what they say, <laughs> but uh, I mean that that that's something I can um I can definitely uh, take heed to. Uh, what's your take on it? How'd you feel about it? That's a great question, man. And there's so much in this episode to unpack, and so many things that 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 listeners can take away. For me, just you know when you, when you when you harassed him in the beginning about why he hadn't won the Diamond Resorts, <laughs> that was from the heart, though, bro. That was from the heart, man. I felt the anguish. I felt the anguish you had. I mean, I was like, dude, why you haven't but, won but, yet? But real quick, because I put so much money, because, you know, when you go to these Tahoe events in American Century and Diamond, they have a betting pool. I, I put don't know. So no, much- I don't know. Oh, well, <laughs> you, we will this year. I had so much money on Ray, bro. I have, I'm still going to go broke on him. I'm still going to put my money on him. But I just, it's it's definitely subjective for sure. <laughs> well, when you look, when you look at Ray's career and you think about, you know, he leads the three point, um, you know, all time three point shooting. Most three pointers made. He knows something about preparation. He knows yeah. something about getting it done and, and performing in a in a high pressure situation. You know, Absolutely. it's funny, like he kind of called me out a little bit where if we're playing for some cash, it's gotta be a certain value to him to make him feel a certain <laughs> level of nerves. So I I'm not I, I understand it. it it made me feel like like you said my pockets was upside down. But <laughs> but when you talk about preparation and you talk about a guy like Ray Allen, to to understand that he hasn't been ready to win. To understand right. 
the pit that he's lacked certain elements in preparation, certain time on the range, certain shots that he may or may not have, and mm-hmm. and the culmination of those things are are the things that are keeping him away from winning. And how he says that he wants to play in more amateur events and more tournament golf to feel those pressures. I think that's something that all amateur golfers, even professional golfers, can understand. Like maybe you oh. haven't won because you're not ready to win. So well, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I know you. I know you said some some interviews that we gave in a, in the past couple uh, days. You know, since dropping the the initial press release of the show, you said you're a failed golfer, failing golf or failed golfer. Failed. I Did failed. you? I... So do you think lack of prepping was some of the reason as to why you failed? Um, I, that's that's a that's a loaded question. I I feel like there were certain. Even with the network that I've been blessed to have and the people I've got access to, there were still certain hurdles that I couldn't overcome. So I once I learned that I didn't have enough money and that a low round for me was 70, you got to get up out the way, man. There's there's too many good players out there that can shoot mm-hmm. 61s and 2s at the drop of a hat. And when you can play well, uh, I tell people on a shootout golf course, I shot 70. And on a U.S. Open layout, I shot 70. So either way it goes, when, when, you, can't, when you can't go to the bottom, man, you know, you got to get the hell up out of here and get out the way for some guys that can really go get it. And when you play for that last dollar in your bank account, there's a little pressure there that uh, I don't know if I'm cut out to handle. I, I like seeing uh, a couple pennies in there when I got zero or that or that minus sign next to what's in my account. People ask me, who sponsored you? I said it was American Express. And they're like, oh, that's a great sponsor. I'm like, no, nah, that's my credit card. De- that's my deficit that I that I owe now, you know, so. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm two. I'm two hundred and fifty-two dollars above my zero, so I get it. I know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, we hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Uh, Ray Allen coming in here, going beyond the fairway with just a legend, Hall of Famer, All-Star, Olympic gold medalist. I mean, I mean, wow! This is what you can expect from this podcast. It's not always going to make you feel comfortable, make you feel safe. We're going to push the bounds a little bit and push the conversations and get people to the edge of their comfort zones that can, so we can experience all that this game offers. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this episode next week. Come back. We'll be right here. Golf Channel NBC, Beyond the Fairway. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.